This is the Apartment Building Investing Podcast with Michael Blanc, episode 104. You ready? You're listening to the Apartment Building Investing Podcast, where we'll talk about all aspects of buying apartment buildings with a special focus on raising money from others. And now, your hosts, Michael Blanc. Hey there, and welcome to the show. My name is Michael Blanc. I'm really excited that you're here to learn with me about apartment buildings. Today on the show, I have the CEO of ApartmentLife.org. And I learned about ApartmentLife.org, I don't know, about two, three months ago, and I couldn't believe I hadn't heard of them before. Because what they do is they, through volunteers, engage with the tenants, and in doing so, create community events and foster a sense of community, which in turn, doing so, raises the quality of life of the tenants. And with that, it increases occupancy, reduces turnover, and improves the bottom line. So when I heard of this organization, I was like, my goodness, I need to find out more and reached out to CEO Pete Kelly and said, I want you on the show because I love what you guys are doing. So I'm really, really excited here now to get you an interview with Pete Kelly about apartmentlife.org. Hey, Pete, welcome to the show today. Thank you for having me. It's great to be here. Just give us the listeners a little background on yourself. Sure. Well, my name is Pete Kelly and I'm the CEO of Apartment Life. We're a faith-based nonprofit built on a business model that serves the multifamily industry. And we help owners and operators with two of their greatest needs, which are uh, resident turnover and resident satisfaction. And so I've been in this role for about two and a half years. Before that, I was with another nonprofit working with young people for about 24 years. So thank you for having me on your show. Yeah, you've been with nonprofits a long time, which is great. Now, it's, it's yeah. very odd. I've been doing this for a long time. I've never heard of you guys until about two, three months ago. And then you guys came at me from all different sides, right? And so I love when I heard of what you did, basically you're engaging tenants and trying to improve uh-huh. the quality of their lives. Um, and then you have an outreach component as well. And in doing so, like you said, you actually impact the bottom line around retention and that kind of stuff. So I love the combination of actually doing good and then actually impacting the bottom line. So I'm really excited to kind of get into and talk a bit more about what Apartment Life does. Can you talk a little bit more about what you guys do? Sure, absolutely. Well, we're founded around a central proposition that relationships and community is not just good for the human heart or for the soul, but it's good for the bottom line as well. And so uh, what we found, interestingly enough, is that the more friendships and the relationships that apartment residents have in that community, the happier they are and the longer they, they stay. And even when the rents go up, And so we've got a program, our primary program, our initial one is where uh, we have two people that live on site and they're like the welcome wagon. They uh, greet every new resident that moves in. They hold all events. They look for opportunities to care for them. And as they do that, they create this sticky community where people like, you know, I really love living here and I think I want to stay long term. But the people who are doing this all come from local churches. So it happens to be a little bit of PR often indirectly for the local churches that get involved as well. Yeah, you, you made an interesting comment. You said that one of your core value propositions is that the relationship is not just good for people, they're good for business. Can you talk more about that? You know, in America today, you know, if you you know walk around in a shopping mall or anywhere, even like if you got to dinner with your spouse, the amount of time that people spend glued to their technology looking down at their phone and not interacting with the people around them. And so what we found is that Americans love this idea of relationships, you know, to go back to that old slogan from that famous TV show, Cheers, you want to be where everybody knows your name, right? 
But if you ask the average American, how many of your neighbors do you really know very well? You know, when's the last time you had a neighbor over for a meal? Most people would be embarrassed to say, you know, I don't even know my neighbors, or I think I know their names, but I don't know much about them. So what we found is that when you have a couple like that in a community, they serve as that catalyst to help people do what they really want to do, but for various reasons, maybe they're glued to technology or they're just a little bit introverted. They don't do on their own, but when they see someone else doing it, it becomes very contagious and a very magnetic place to live. Right. So your community, I don't know, your, your, your community volunteers or staff or whatever you call them, they engage the, the local tenants, make them more comfortable and get uh-huh. them to interact with each other. And then you say it's good for business. It's obviously, it improves retention. Rents can go up. This all sounds pretty good. And intuitively, it sounds like it would be the case. But do you have any kind of research to, to kind of demonstrate a little bit further? Yeah, absolutely. What's been fascinating is in the last few years, the medical community has really identified that this core issue of loneliness is a really big problem. Time Magazine, I think in 2015, had an article that said loneliness, the next big health crisis in America. And what they found, there was a study done out of Brigham Young University that people who self-identified as having subjective feelings of loneliness were 26% more likely to die during the study than somebody who didn't feel lonely. So so there's this problem of loneliness, and they go on to say that the issue of loneliness, and there's a biological reason for it, the stress hormone, cortisol, how that causes inflammation in the system. So there's like real biological reasons why this happens. But loneliness, they say, is as bad or worse than smoking and obesity. So you got this evidence on the negative side for the problem that's out there. But on the positive side, there's a lot of business research that's been done about companies that have emotionally connected brands and have customers who feel emotionally connected to the brand. There was a Harvard Business Review article that talked about the the new science of emotional connectedness and customer service. And what they found is that an emotionally engaged customer for your company is 52% more valuable than just merely satisfied or even highly satisfied customer. There's something different when somebody feels emotionally connected to your company, to your brand, they're going to spend more money, they're going to come more often, and they're going to be loyal for many years to come. So they're just more valuable. So that's not just true for Disney, which you would expect for a company like Disney, but it's also true of credit card companies, even clothing apparel. So as I think about the multifamily industry, I think, well, what's more emotionally connecting your credit card or where you live and where you have? relationships and where you do life. So I think there's a tremendous opportunity for the multifamily community to create this sense of connectedness. And all of this jives with our own research, which you can look up on our website, apartmentlife.org. Yeah, exactly. So I, I think you were just talking about how this would kind of play out in a real way in, in a multifamily. So I, there's, there's a lot of research around loneliness, et cetera. I mean, do you have an example of, of like what you guys have seen, any kind of experience of what this has done in a, you know, a person's life? Yeah, well, we've had an economist named Ron Witten, who's uh, well-known in the multifamily industry, do a study on how do friendships affect a resident's willingness to stay. What they found is that the more friends you have, the more likely you are to renew your lease, even when the rents go up. And so the magic point seems to be seven relationships. So if you have seven people that you feel like you know in your apartment community, you're almost twice as likely to renew than someone 
who doesn't. So I think uh, one of my favorite stories is one of our teams, apartment life teams, was doing a renewal visit with a resident. And this was in Houston. And it was a single mom. And she was saying, you know, thank you for coming by, but I've just put a deposit on another apartment. And I'm like, oh, no, what happened? And they said, well, there's been a spider infestation in my house and management just hasn't been able to get at it. And I'm like, oh, man, we are so sorry to hear that. We've loved having you at all of our parties and events. That night, that woman, she'd already put a deposit on a new place. Mm. She wrote them back and said, you know, I was thinking about your visit and the kind of community that you've created here. And I was thinking, this is the kind of community that I want to raise my daughter in. And I made the decision to let go of my deposit tonight and renew my lease. Isn't that powerful? That is powerful. We hear stories about that all the time. And so I think that's one of the things that we don't think about often in the multifamily industry. It's not just about uh, physical amenities or the service, but neighbors themselves are an amenity that I think a lot of owners and operators don't think about. There's no offense to property managers. They're, they're doing their job, right? They're responding to requests. They're yeah. providing a clean, safe place to live. They do leases, you know, but they're not really there to build community. They're not, you know, some do, but most don't. They don't organize barbecues. They don't go knock on people's doors and just ask how they're doing. Right. So this is going definitely above and beyond. I'm curious, have you guys done any studies that kind of measure the impact of all this stuff, you know, an actual bottom line of a multifamily building? Oh, great question. Yeah. Well, I mentioned before Ron Witten, a well-known economist in the multifamily industry. He did in-depth analysis of many, many of our CARES programs to figure out what is the average economic impact of an apartment life team that serves on this community. What he found is on average, it's $138,000 of annual value to the apartment owner, $138,000 of value. We ran a different study with our property managers. Every year we do an annual property manager survey and we ask them, how many renewals would you attribute to the apartment life program? And they would say on average 3.3 renewals per month they would attribute to the apartment life program. So that's 40 leases a year. So if you think about what is your average turn cost for your community and then multiply that by 40 leases, I mean, that's well over $100,000 typically that an owner is going to save. So, so yeah, we have a lot of research that it doesn't just feel good, but it actually makes an economic difference, makes the owner more profitable. Well, exactly right. So turnover cost is huge, right? Then the place got to be turned over. It's going to be vacant for probably a month, maybe two there's a cost there, lost income, and then the lease renewals are huge. Yeah, and people just staying there longer, right? So, I mean, typically in a building, I, I think the rule of thumb is that 25% of the building will turn over. I mean, if you can get that down to something like, I don't know, 15 or 20% even, it's huge. You know, and at the same time, I think your community sets itself apart from, you know, 99% of all your apartment buildings. So, so, all right, so it does make a lot of sense. So, tell me a little bit more about how this works. So, you mentioned these teams. Can you yeah. talk more about the teams and what they do? Where do they live? What do they do? Sure. How, yeah, what do they do? Yeah, typically our teams are a husband and wife, but they can be two singles of the same gender. Typically they live on site, although recently we've done some off-site modeling that has been equally effective. But they live on site, and so they're, they're the welcome wagon. They, they greet every new resident that moves in. They throw all the parties and events. They don't just put the food out there either. They're actually looking for ways to engage residents with other residents, which is a key differentiator. Like a lot of management staff will throw out some food on a Saturday morning and people will come and eat and leave. 
but they never really get to know their neighbors. Whereas the team that lives on site is actually trying intentionally, not just for them to get to know the neighbors, but they're trying to get the neighbors to know each other. And so that's an incredible catalyst. They look for opportunities to care for people. So somebody's just had a baby, they'll bring a baby gift over on behalf of the management team. But his car breaks down and say, hey, let me take you down to the auto repair place and get a new part for you. Need an early morning ride to the airport. I'd love to take you to the airport. Or you need somebody to watch your dog while you're away. So they look for opportunities to care for people. And then 90 days before the lease is set to renew, our standard program is they visit that resident and they said, how's your experience been? And, and what are you thinking about for the coming year? Are you thinking about sticking around? It's a very soft appeal. But what they find is that by reminding that resident of the incredible community that they, they're enjoying, that people are like, yeah, I think I am thinking about sticking around. Here's one additional thing that we started doing, which, which is extra value for the owners and the management company, is as our teams find raving fans and satisfied residents out there, they're like, hey, if you really like this event, would you be willing to go online and post a positive comment? That's right. Which online reputation is, is incredible. So we ran a little contest with our teams in December. We said, let's see who can get the most positive reviews in three-week period of time. And we had several teams that had 25, 30. One team, I think, had over 50 positive reviews that they brought in just you know, through the connections that they had in their community. So an amazing opportunity to add value there on the online reputation piece as well. Uh, no kidding. No kidding. We, we, had, we took a, bought a building. Well, most buildings we buy, you know, their online presence sucks. Either it's outdated, inaccurate, <laughs> or all negative, right? Because, I, mean, I mean, look, Class C apartment buildings aren't there to wow the tenant. I mean, they really aren't. They're maybe, you yeah. know, at best, if everyone's doing their job, we're providing safe, clean housing. But we're not going to rave about our community, right? So the only time someone actually does anything online is when they're complaining about something. So the other thing also is the presence was non-existent. And once we fixed it, we got, I would say probably 50% of the walk-ins came from online websites. So the online presence is huge. So yeah, that's, that is fantastic. So you talked about. It's hard, hard to, sorry, I was going to say it's hard to quantify the value, but is. there is a value between being a four star versus a three star. That extra star makes a difference. And you, you, you know, eventually they're going to be able to tell you exactly what it's worth. But everybody intuitively knows that that extra star or even a half star makes a difference because people are more likely to check out your place. And they're probably ruling you out if, if it's a, a two and a half. They're probably not even looking at it. Yeah. Exactly right. Yeah. So I love that. So you said the team, there's two models. I'm gonna, I want to kind of get into see what right. the property this is right for. And I know you have a pretty broad offering there, but you have on-site teams and then off-site teams. So on-site teams, obviously, the owner would have to provide a unit for that. So there's a loss of income for that. Can you talk about more about the differences between the on-site and the off-site teams? So I'll tell you a little bit about the cost structure of the two as well. So in the on-site program, what we do is the owner of the management company consists of a two-bedroom, two-bath unit for the team. So that's probably the biggest cost to the owner. If you press an owner on it, they're like, you know, honestly, chances are we're undercharging for rent and a half and unused unit. And we say, just give us the one that's the hardest to lease, and we'll give that to the carriage team. So that part, even though it's the most expensive, really not a, a direct loss. So a loss opportunity, potentially, hypothetically, but most owners would say, yeah, that's probably going to be there no matter what. The second part, they pay a management fee to apartment life, which is what we, that gives us the resource to go out and find the team. So that's 650 a month. And then in addition to that, they pay for 
the event, but that's usually already built into the management budget. Some kind of a, we recommend a dollar fifty to two dollars per door to really do an event well, but we negotiate that with the usual management company. So that's the on-site model, our traditional one that we started with. This year, we've uh, started experimenting with an off-site model, which doesn't involve a concessed unit, but the management fee is a little bit higher because we have to pay these people hourly wages in order to do it. But um, what we found, and this works really well on uh, lower income properties, you know, your class C or your tax income credit properties, tax credit properties, our team will actually manage those LURA requirements that the owner has that they have to do in order to qualify for that government program. Depending on how many events they do, that you know, the cost can fluctuate. It can be, I would say, for three events a month would be around the $1,500 range. But it, it, it all depends on what programs, how many times a week or a month that you want that programming and what are you trying to accomplish. But we found actually really great value in our lower income communities for that. And, and uh, that part of our business model is actually growing more rapidly than our, our original core. There seems like there's a real demand out there. Yeah, because no one does it in a class C. No one expects it, right? So you're going and you're doing these yeah. community events. You're actually being like going out of your way to be nice to people. Again, it's not expected. It's not like we're doing a bad job. It's just not expected. So you do something like that. Yeah. People are going to go, wow. And word will get around. I think you're right. Yeah. I think the occupancy is going to be higher. Turnover is going to be lower. People are going to put up with higher rents. In fact, we saw this on one of the deals we bought last year, real quick on a 69 units. We were, all the property managers were surprised by the rents that we're getting and the occupancy. And it was because this owner was very, very involved with the churches around them. In fact, we're getting a lot of tenants from them. There was a garden that they were uh, maintaining. They had put artwork up on the fences, but I'd never seen that before. And you could literally see the result of that. And all the property managers were trying to comp this thing out. They're like, yeah, the rent should be like $50 lower. Clearly they're getting the rents. And it was an example of the difference a building like that makes. So just a case point. What kind of communities do you typically work with? And I think it depends. You have the two program. You have the CARES program, which is the on-site. I got to believe uh-huh. that probably, probably that's probably more appropriate for slightly bigger communities. And then maybe the workforce might be for, and also probably nicer is my guess. And then workforce is maybe, maybe smaller and maybe more like class C. Can you talk about the kind of communities yep. which program works best for? So uh, with our traditional on-site program, you're right, they, they tend to be class A and class B assets. And so they tend to be in the 250 units and above, because at that point, that makes sense for the owners. Like, you know, concessing a two-bedroom, two-bath unit's not that big a deal at that price point. We do some really nice high-end stuff. But for some of those owners, the price of concessing that unit, you know, when it's the rent could have been $5,000 a month, that's a hard pill to swallow. And so that Sometimes we have to make special concessions to owners when they're really high-end luxury deals. But that's kind of more of our traditional model. What we found is not every ownership group feels comfortable concessing a two-bedroom, two-bath unit. And likewise, it's not always easy to find a team that's willing to live on-site if it's a lowering. So we initially launched the off-site model to serve lower-income communities. But we're wondering if this would also help some owners that are either smaller or, for whatever reason, they just don't feel comfortable concessing the two-bedroom, two-bath unit. And so the off-site model, we feel like, has a lot of promise for the future as well. Yeah, that's great. That's great. So I like that you're kind of exploring both models. So yeah. you talk a bit more about 
you know, you mentioned beginning at your faith-based organization. What does that mean? Well, you know, our business, our nonprofit built around that central famous teaching, you know, love your neighbor as yourself. And we think, you know, when Jesus said that, what if he literally meant your neighbor, like the people who physically lived around you? We asked the question, like, how would that change a community that people actually put that in, into practice if they knew who their neighbors were? if they went out of their way to serve them and to love them. And so the people we tend to recruit to do this come from local churches. Now, a lot of our teams are recruited by other teams, but most of our teams, in fact, I'd say all of our teams have some connection with a, a, local, a local church. We're very careful, though, that we say that this isn't something where you kind of pass out leaflets or go knock on doors. We're very serious about fair housing. We train all of our teams in fair housing. What are the do's? What are the don'ts? What are the things you can do? What are the things you can't? So the way we tell them is to love your neighbor until they ask you why. Isn't that great? Mm. And then at that point, when they ask you why, you know, you're going to have a very natural conversation. Well, I go to this church. If you'd like to check out what we do, come with us on Sunday. And so in the 18 years that we've been around, we haven't had any fair housing claims against us. We're very serious about that side of what we do as well. But we are faith-based. That's awesome. So what is your ultimate mission or goal of apartment life? At the end of the day, we're all about changing lives. And we like to say that we bring apartment life brings life to the apartment community. So we're all about bringing life, changing lives. And I think, you know, a great story that illustrates that is a a team that I was meeting with in Nashville, Tennessee recently. And And the woman, it's a husband and wife team. And the woman said, you know, I was sitting in our apartment on a Saturday afternoon and my phone rings. And I looked down, like I didn't recognize the number, but I picked it up and answered it anyway. And the guy on the other end answered. He says, hey, my name is Billy. And I met you at a recent event. My roommate actually gave me your number. And he just started to talk and talk and talk. And uh, this woman, her name was Rebecca. She's like, I don't know why this resident's calling me, but apparently he needs somebody to talk to. So literally for an hour and a half, he talked and talked. He talked about his washer and dryer. He talked about all these things. And she, at, at one point, she started to get a little frustrated, like, What's going on? Like, I got stuff I got to do. She didn't say that, but she was feeling that internally. And then, get this, at the end of the call, he gets choked up and he says, hey, Rebecca, thank you so much for talking today. Actually, I was thinking about taking my own life today, but something told me that I needed to call you. And she was like floored when she heard that. She's like, oh my gosh. Mm -hmm. And I was like, Rebecca, that's why we do what we do. So she and her husband have intentionally got involved in Billy's life. They pulled him into their church community. He's seen a lot of life change just by being connected with other people to know that he's loved and he's cared for. Isn't that incredible? That's incredible, yeah. Yeah. I love that. I hear stories like that every week. Crazy stories of residents whose lives have just been dramatically changed because somebody took the time to care for him, an alcoholic guy. and. Charleston, South Carolina, almost drank himself to death. He was checked into the hospital with a blood alcohol content. I forget what it was, 0.67, something crazy like that. And the doctors gave him a 10% chance of survival. But the team, the apartment life team on his property, visited him every day at the hospital and kind of nursed him back to health. And he's like, I don't know who these people are, but they're like the best example of people who have faith and belief in God that I've ever met. And I talked to this guy and he's like, my life was changed because of this team. And all they did is love me just as their neighbor. 
Yeah, I love that. I just love the whole thing. It's, you know, it's the multifamily thing for me has always been a little bit tough. You know, what can I do to kind of help people there? And like, yes, you provide safe and clean housing, but there's, I couldn't figure out anything to do more, right? So now with you guys, there's a model for that, right? Because it's very difficult to do these things. So you're always working through the property manager and most property managers just, while they're doing a good job, they're not going to go above and beyond and engage the residents in that way. So I really love that you guys exist and I'm already talking to several of your regional managers to get us into all the apartment buildings that we have and every listener out there right now who's got an apartment building of any kind of size, I would encourage you guys to reach out and check out Apartment Life. On that note, Pete, how do people get a hold of you? Yep. First place you can go if you want to read more about Apartment Life is you can go to apartmentlife.org, O-R-G, our website. And you can read all up about our on-site model, which we call the CARES program, and our off-site model, which we call workforce housing. So you can read all about that. But if you want, you can also just email me at petekelly at apartmentlife.org. So that's P-E-T-E-K-E-L-L-Y at apartmentlife.org. And I would, if I can't answer your question, I would be happy to connect you with a person in our organization that could best serve you or answer your question. Awesome. I'm uh, really glad that you had the time to come on the show today, Pete, and share what you guys are doing in Apartment Life. So thank you so much. Michael, thank you so much for having me. It's been a joy to get to know you and grateful to be able to serve on your program. So I'm really excited about apartmentlife.org because I love their mission. And I love that you're doing good. And in doing so, you actually do better. Like I said, I saw this for the first time in that 69 unit in Memphis where everybody was a little puzzled why the occupancy was so high and the rents were above market. And it's because of this community involvement. And so for me, at least, it gave me a way to actually go above and beyond what we normally do. So the property manager is doing a great job, clean place, healthy, leases, safe place. Okay, but we want to go a step above and make this place shine, make it different than any other place around the people where people want to live. And they will even pay above market rents to be there because of the sense of community. So it looks like Apartment Life has two programs. One is a CARES program that requires an on-site person. So, you know, the property's going to have to be a little bigger to warrant that, even though I got to say, though, even though it is a hard expense, I think the benefits are actually much greater than you providing a unit. But they do have to be a little larger. Now, the Workforce Housing Program is the off-site one. And I think that one is much more appropriate for smaller buildings. So if you have an apartment building or you're about to have an apartment building, reach out to apartmentlife.org. Reach out to Pete Kelly if you want directly. But they have regional managers set up all over the country. And you'll be speaking to one of those people. They're in a lot of areas already in the country, in about 15 or so cities. And if they're not already there, there's probably plans of going there. So really excited about that. Really take a look at it and take advantage of it if you can. All right, guys. So a couple of next steps here. If you haven't done so already, download my free book. It's called The Secret to Raising Money to Buy Your First Apartment Building Deal. It's raising money is the priceless skill that you need to get started with apartment building. So get started with that. You know, if you love the show, leave me a review on iTunes. I love seeing them and it exposes the show to more people. So hopefully that was helpful to you guys, gave you something extra to think about. And I will catch you on the next episode. Thanks for listening to the Apartment Building Investing Podcast with Michael Block. For more free podcasts, articles, and videos, go to themichaelblanc.com. There, you can also download the free ebook, The Secret to Raising Money to Buy Your First Apartment Building. Till next time.